What's going on, everybody? Happy Wednesday. Welcome into 104.3 The Fans Coffee Break. Will Peterson, Rachel V. Hill hanging out with you as we're excited for our guest that's going to be joining us here in just a little bit because she's not the biggest Russell Wilson fan. So the Mile High City, we're all hyped up on Russell Wilson. We're going to get her opinion as somebody who's covered him for a decent time in the league already. But Will, how are you? I'm good. I don't know if I'm excited. I guess I'm curious for this guest. I'm uh, super. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. going to find it really interesting. No, I, I definitely am always open to the other perspective. I know it's someone from Seattle sports, which we love Seattle sports, but are they a little bitter, Rachel? That's what I'm curious to find out. We're also going to get an update on our good old boy, Drew Locke, out in Seattle, see how that QB battle is going. And then Will and I are also going to get into some of the abs cap space stuff that they've got going on, too. Plus, a little bit about the Broncos' win total, too. Some interesting facts there. But, yeah, it's going to be a fun show. Stick around, hang out with us, talk with us in the comments. We love chatting with all of you guys. But, Will, we are exactly one week away from training camp. Who are you most excited to see? Besides Russell Wilson, who's next in line? Yeah, I mean, seeing Russell in front of the fans for the first time is going to be really cool. So, obviously, he's number one. We're all stoked for that. Um, but Rachel, I'm just really excited to see the three receivers and watch one he connects with the most. Cause I think there's an argument to be made and we're actually running a, a, a promo on one Oh four, three, the fan today about, Hey, is, is Sutton the most, uh, proven is Judy, the most talented, but is Tim Patrick actually the best of the three. And so I want to see where Russell Wilson checks in with his chemistry with those guys. And yes, the preseason, Week one, week two will be a good indicator. But if you really watch at camp, you can always tell who kind of quarterback's favorite targets are. And I think pretty early on in camp, we'll see, oh, he's got really good rapport with Sutton. Or, oh, he just loves Judy on that deep ball. Or, you know what? He's all about Mr. Consistent Tim Patrick. One of those three guys is going to stand out. I think K.J. Hamler will be in the conversation too. Probably not as the best, but I I do think he and Russell will get some – some chemistry building up. So yeah, I just think it's fascinating, Rachel, that we don't know how the one, two, and three receivers are going to stack up on this team. And camp's going to go a long way toward helping us figure that out. I'm so excited for that exact part too. Obviously there's a lot of question about O-line to what we're going to see out of Bradley Chubb. If Randy Gregory is going to be in attendance, I don't expect him to practice because of his injury, but just to see if he's out there talking with the guys too, there's a lot to look forward to, but we would love to know what all of you are thinking when it comes to the wide receivers. Who do you anticipate to be Russell Wilson's number one? Let us know in the comments. If it was me, I would go with Mr. Consistent and Tim Patrick. Yeah, that's a fascinating one because Tim Patrick is the least sexy of the three uh, in terms of raw skill, not in terms of actual sexiness, but you know what I'm saying. It's a (laughs) metaphor, I think. Jerry Judy is electric speed, Rachel. Coming out of Alabama so fast, we know it, but it's also year three. How much longer can we talk about, oh, he's a first-round pick out of Alabama? Like, that's in his past now. And then Cortland Sutton, I've said it before, he reminds me so much of the late, great Demarius Thomas, just with his build and his ability to go up and get the football. And I just think that, you know, when Peyton Manning arrived in Denver, Demarius Thomas took a huge leap. He was a good player with Tim Tebow. He was a great player with Peyton Manning. Cortland Sutton's been a good player over the years. His 2019 season, he put up some nice stats. He can be a great player with Russell Wilson. So those two, uh, I definitely think have the highest ceiling, but in terms of Tim Patrick, like he's been their most consistent the last two years with very mediocre 
quarterback play. So I do think that that there's a there's an argument to be made, and I understand why you would go with Patrick as well. Yeah, I've been a huge fan of his his entire game last season. You know, it really grew on me because you like I like the name you gave him, Mister Consistent. But I'm excited to welcome in our guest because again, we're talked about her. She's not the biggest Russell Wilson fan, but Stacy Ross from Seattle Sports, our sister station, is joining us. And Stacy, how are you? First of all. I'm well <laughs> introduced is not the biggest Russell Wilson fan. So That's our up. boss, yeah, she or he told us he was like, you know, if you want somebody who's gonna be a little hard on Russell Wilson, this is your gal. So I need to hear the opinions because we're all here for everyone here in the Mile High City is obviously very high on our new quarterback, but you've dealt with Rush or you've got to cover Russ for a couple of years now. Yeah. Okay. So let me preface this. Russell Wilson is the best quarterback this franchise has ever had. Like, I'm not one of those delusional people that's like, oh, Russell Wilson didn't want to be in Seattle. So he's trash. Get him out here. It's time for Drew Locke. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> not, it's, I don't want the Drew Locke show. I'm okay without it. But um, that's uh, what we have here in Seattle. We've had a little bit of a, of a tradesies here. So I, I will say uh, Russell Wilson is a, is a unique a unique guy. I mean, he is someone who is very, very, very um, talented and also very guarded. Like, I mean, every other press conference we went to for Russell Wilson, it was like, he will not say the wrong thing. He is, as a rookie, it was like PR dream. And after you've covered him for 10 years or nine years or eight years, you start to think like, is I think that there's always this desire for authenticity with people. And it's really unfair to expect that from people who are in the spotlight and who have a ton of pressure on them, especially at young ages, right? Through his twenties. At the same time, even though it's very unfair to expect it, it's more satisfying when you get that from someone. So here in Seattle, I think people are eager to see if, um, if the next person to come in and, and take that mantle, not only will, will he be as talented, which I mean, that's a gamble, right? Because it's a rare talent. But uh, will you have someone that you feel like you can know and you can be led into just, a, you know, their world just a bit more? So it's an unfair thing to ask, but it is certainly a side of Russell Wilson that was interesting to cover for 10 years. Stacey, yeah. I've got to ask, when the Broncos go to Seattle in week one, Monday Night Football, ESPN, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, their first game of regular season game coming over from Fox. Like the whole NFL world, the whole sports world is going to be watching that game. There's so Mm -hmm. many juicy storylines. What will the atmosphere be like and what will the ovation or lack thereof be for Russell Wilson when he takes the field for the first time in a different uniform at Lumen Field up there in Seattle? Uh, You know, I'm expecting a mix. Some certainly some booze. I think that uh, Russell Wilson would probably tell you he gave his all to Seattle. And I actually do think he did. Um, I think, though, that in sports, people are loyal to the jersey and not necessarily the name on the back. Right. Uh, and you guys know this. And so there are a lot of people who um, not necessarily Russell Wilson being traded. Like no one takes it personally if a player is traded. But what kind of started this weird tone shift around Russell Wilson here in Seattle that I noticed anyways, working in sports radio. So you see the response from listeners is uh, when rumors started floating out that Russell Wilson wanted a trade. Now, Russell Wilson said he didn't want to trade, but there was that now infamous tweet of Russell Wilson's agent, Mark Rogers, sending a text to Adam Schefter saying, 
well, hey, I just want to correct this. Russell doesn't want to trade, but if he did, it would be these cities. That did not go over well with, with fans in Seattle who felt kind of rejected and felt, you know, for some people it made sense. For other people, it was this very kind of, um, I don't know, unfair expectation that, uh, that athletes must love your team as much as you do instead of treating them like an employer. So, um, yeah, there, it's, it's a very mixed reaction. I would say that there's criticism about, about Russell Wilson that's completely warranted. He hangs on to the ball too long. He um, is, uh, he, he probably frankly thinks that he could be a better quarterback than he really could, though I still think his ceiling is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, I think he is exceptional with the deep ball, but not the most personable teammate, right? Like there are, there are, there are pros and cons and, and, uh, and weird quirks to every person. And that includes Russell Wilson. Um, but I do think some of the nuance that's lost here in Seattle is you can feel as though you, you didn't completely love a player or you, you, you know, really wanted to root more personally for a player and also recognize that Russell Wilson was exceptionally talented. So I think people, there are some people here that are a little too willing to move on and, uh, and not recognizing that the Seahawks have lived in a world for 10 years where they've been a contender constantly every single year and uh, have frankly been a little bit spoiled. That's not really the reality for many other franchises. So I think, uh, I think there are some fans who are in for a little bit of a, a rude awakening. I hate, I hate to say. Well, yeah, like you said, we're kind of tradesies, right? Last year at this time, yeah. you were doing the 50-50 quarterback battle. Now you've got that right. going on in Seattle. So can you update Bronco fans on good old Drew Locke? How's he doing out there? So uh, as far as teammate-wise, everything sounds good. I mean, sounds like he's fully embraced. People really like him here. But um, he is still the number two quarterback. I mean, I think that Drew Locke is dominating the national conversation in terms of even just jokes that people say. And again, he doesn't seem like an unlikable guy. I feel bad as you guys, I'm sure do whenever, every time you make a joke, but um, he is being talked about nationally as though it's like, it's his show. I actually think it's Geno Smith's job to lose right now. I mean, Pete Carroll has um, an inherent trust of guys who know his system and buy into his program. And Geno Smith is one of those guys so much so to where he put his faith in Geno publicly when Geno was still a free agent, which gives him like, all the leverage in the world, right? That's how much he uh, he likes having Gino here. So during a mini camp and OTAs, Gino was taking almost 100% of the snaps with the first team. This was not a 50-50 battle. So Drew Locke has some ground to make up, and we're going to find out next week, just as you guys will, whether or not uh, he's been able to do that. But I would I would still anticipate Gino getting the majority of the first team snaps. All right, Stacy. So let's just say that the the Seahawks season – maybe doesn't go as planned and, and you know nationally they don't have a ton of expectations do you think that Seahawks fans will turn their attention to Russell Wilson and the Broncos and either latch on a little bit or actively root against the Broncos like I'm just trying so, to get a vibe meter on yeah. where they will how they will feel about Russell moving forward yeah unlike Unlike Boston fans, I don't think Seahawks fans will claim another team's Super Bowl victory the way that Pats fans did with Tampa Bay and, and Tom Brady. I know many a Pats fan who was like, yeah, I've Tampa Bay all my life. And you're like, all right, all right, sure. But uh, no, I, I do not think uh, – I think that there are certainly – I mean, I I hope for the best for Russell Wilson, right? Like, I think he's kind of corny. <laughs> like, many a press conference is cringe. His Instagram videos make me cringe. Like, but it's I, – I overall uh, – you know, the corniness meter is at a thousand, but the talent meter is also at a thousand. And uh, 
I, sure, I hope for the best for him. I, I'd certainly love to see the Seahawks win the trade, but I don't think we'll find out whether or not they did for years down the road. And if they don't find a quarterback, can we ever say that they did? When you look back on the day that Russell Wilson was traded, obviously here in Denver, it took us all by complete shock because a lot of us were expecting to be in that Aaron Rodgers talk, right? A lot of us disappointed that moment when he said he was going to go back. But for you guys in Seattle, what was that like? And did it take you guys by surprise as well? We went through kind of a phase of expecting a trade imminently to um, you know, Pete Carroll being at the combine and saying, look, Russ is our guy. You know, we, uh, we love having him here and kind of uh, uh, that kind of quelling and, and, and quieting. And we thought, well, you know, there's, um, there's an out, I think, I believe after 2022, uh, it was either before this season or after this season and, and thinking like, well, maybe they go one more season. Maybe they try to see what they can do in one final season together. Uh, so it wasn't a total surprise that he was traded it was a surprise that he was traded this off season when we had kind of talked ourselves out of it collectively. Stacy, last one for me, cause we know you got to run, but Noah Fant and Shelby Harris, uh, Shelby was a fan favorite for the Broncos. Like fans love Shelby Harris. The last few years, there haven't been a lot to cheer about. And Shelby's been a guy that people have just loved. He, he's batted balls down at the line of scrimmage, been a really nice player on the D line Fant, a former first round pick who maybe hasn't totally lived up to the hype early impressions on those two guys and and our Seahawks fans and are you guys excited? Do you think you've got players in either Harris or Fant that will make a big impact this year and beyond? Uh, I do. You know, what's interesting is here in Seattle, people are really high on Noah Fant. It's kind of the opposite. You aren't really hearing a lot about Shelby Harris, though. I think that's the product of the off season. As you guys know, you can't see defensive players at their very best in the off season. Training camp is hands camp, right? Like every tight end, every wide receiver is going to look, Phenomenal. So people here are really excited for Noah Fant. He's probably a name they just know a little bit, a little bit more. Um, and uh, and Drew Locke has talked him up, saying, you know, this is going to be Noah Fant's best season. And uh, I, for whatever doubts Broncos fans, you know, might have about that, I think that uh, Pete Carroll and uh, and um, his offensive staff, Shane Waldron, who's a former tight ends coach, now the offensive coordinator, is very excited to see how they can use tight ends because Russell Wilson didn't utilize a lot of them. He looks for the home run ball. He doesn't do dump off passes and tight ends have been since Jimmy Graham was here underutilized. And I would argue for Graham's talent level, he was underutilized even when he was getting 900 yards. No tight end has gotten more than I want to say 550 yards or 500 yards in a season since maybe 2017. So I think people have been eager for a couple of years to utilize that position group and feel like Noah Fant could be that guy. So there is a lot of excitement about Noah. Uh, I think Shelby, I I wouldn't be surprised if he wins a lot of fans over as the season goes on and they get a a better taste of him. Well, that's definitely something we'll be on the lookout here for in Denver then with Russell and the tight end group. But Stacey, thank you so much. I know you have your show going on in just a couple of minutes, but we really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hang out with us. Yeah, thank you guys. All righty. That was awesome. First of all, I love to hear it. I feel bad that I called her a Russell Wilson hater almost because obviously she's not that, but she also is 100% on the Russell Wilson is corny and then also on that his talent level is exceedingly great too. So I feel a little bit bad, but at the same time, I feel like if you're going to hate on his corniness, you're kind of hating on him as a person. I don't want to be that person, but that's just my take. Yeah, I think you got that from uh, one of our bosses. So I'm not not blaming you, but... 
you know, I, I it's someone that obviously it's our sister station and, and yeah. we know Stacy from social media, but that's the first time I've ever talked to her. So when you're bringing her into the show, coming a little hot with like, I she know. hates Russell Wilson. Everyone welcome <laughs> Stacy. I love it. I love it though. She was obviously fantastic. We'll have to have her on again, especially as we get closer to week one, but we'll, we got to talk about training camp a little bit more because again, we are one week away from it today. But when you look at Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory, what do you want to see? Obviously, again, like I mentioned, Randy Gregory will not most likely be out there because of injury. But when you look at that position, what do you hope to see in training camp? Oof. In camp, not much because they, they, they can't hit the quarterback, right? So there's not a ton those guys can do other than, you know, get around offensive linemen where we all say, oh, my goodness, they're going to be great. Like, if you get around the, the offensive linemen, great, but you still got to hit the QB and you're not allowed to do that. So I'll take it a step forward. And, and what do I want to see from those guys this season? And that is availability, Rachel. I, I thought our guy James Merrillat had a great line where the articles are coming out can they get 20 sacks? And he said, can they play 20 games? Like it, it, that would obviously be, I'm not a mathematician, but that would be 10 each out of a 17 game season. Listen, Bradley Chubb, two out of the last three years, injury riddled, has not been able to stay on the field. Randy Gregory has been suspended for more games than he's played in his career. And as we know, Rachel, those were some pretty serious issues. Those weren't minor suspensions. Mike Kliss, uh, our Broncos insider, pressed him pretty hard at his opening Zoom presser. And, and I thought Randy was great saying, hey, those issues are behind me and, and I've grown a lot. But at the same time, when you've been suspended that many times, you have to prove it, right? Especially because he wasn't getting suspended for minor things. Like these were these were drugs, you know, there was there was some serious stuff going on with Randy Gregory. So I just want to see availability from those two. And Rachel, fingers crossed, week one in Seattle, when the, when the defense comes out, and as I mentioned to Stacey, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are on the mic, ESPN Monday Night Football, and the Broncos starting intro- defense gets introduced, they can say one edge Bradley Chubb, the other edge Randy Gregory, and then that night, Rachel, they're sacking either Geno Smith, who Stacey thinks it's going to be the QB, or Drew Locke, I don't know, two, two and a half, three times. Like That would be the start to the year we need from these guys. So while wide receiver, which we opened the show starting with, I think we can learn a lot at camp about. Edge rusher, maybe not as much, but just having those guys on the field come week one would be a big win for the Broncos. I really wanted to ask her what her prediction was for game one or week one, but I was like, I feel like that's not fair when you're having to talk about Russell Wilson versus Geno Smith or Drew Locke. So I, I stayed away from that question, but I, I really did because you never know, right? Like that's why you play the game is because you don't know. And we've got a lot of new pieces here for this Broncos team. So Still questions, even though we do have hopefully a Hall of Fame quarterback now here. But I want to go into Draymond Jones because he posted on his Instagram story something that really hit with me. And he said, I'm crazy for this one with his range being three miles left in his car. And this seriously resonates with me so much, Will. So I need to know, when do you fill up your tank? Are you somebody that takes it down to the last mile? Or are you somebody who's more mature and fills it up as soon as it hits empty or is close to? Well, I guess I don't have as nice a car as you and Draymond because mine counts down by the 10 gallons. And honestly, Rachel, it goes from 40 left to 30 left to that thing just is dash, 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 which I assume means zero. So I go from 30 to zero. So I try to fill it when it still says 30 because I don't want to flirt with, you know, it, it basically telling me I have three dashes left 
um, and I'm in trouble. I've only ran out of gas once in my oh. entire life, but that's when I was a senior in college and I absolutely embarrassed myself because I broke down at the busiest intersection in Columbia, Missouri. I went to the University of Missouri and it's it's Stadium in Providence. So if, for anyone who's ever been there, it's the major intersection right in front of the football stadium. It was at like five o'clock on a, I don't know, a weekday afternoon, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday afternoon. And I'm just sitting there and I was driving a 96 Ford Explorer at the time. So a fairly old car yeah. and a cop pulled up next to me and said, what happened? And I go, I think my, my car broke down. Like I was just convinced that the, the car had just given out that, that had a gas gauge on it, but no fancy electronic telling you how many miles you had left. And so I call AAA, the cop's still there. The AAA guy comes up. He goes, well, how much gas is it? I was like, well, it was pretty low. The AAA guy puts in some gas and goes, you know, start it up. And I start it up and it just starts right up and I'm getting honked at. And I've backed up traffic for a mile. And the cop walks up to me and looks at my car and goes, don't let your car run out of gas, kid. And then just walks away. And I was just like, yeah, I don't know if you can get a ticket for that or not, but I probably deserved a ticket for like disturbing traffic flow or whatever. But, but the, the AAA guy and the police officer rightfully so made me feel like a total idiot. So I have never run out of gas again. How about you? Okay. Well, first of all, that's kind of rude from the cop. Like I get it, but like you're already most likely embarrassed in that situation. So no need to be a jerk, but besides the point, I guess, um, I, (laughs) like I said, this really resonated with me because I know in my car that even if it starts blinking the like empty tank, the gas, fill up thing, whatever the heck, if it starts blinking at me, I still have a few miles to go. Um, I've gotten to that point once before. I've never done it again, but I have never run out of gas. I've always somehow made it there, but I am somebody that takes it down to the very last thing. So you're playing with fire. You're playing with fire. One day it's probably going to happen. I'm going to be embarrassed too, but I feel like it's just one of those things. And heck, now that it's $5 a gallon, I really don't want to fill it up at all. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. Learn from my lesson. If you're ever, you know, pushing it to the limit and all of a sudden your car just stops working, at least don't panic like I did and think your car was just ruined forever. Like make your first thought be, oh, I'm kind of an idiot, but it's not that big a deal. I just need someone with a gas can to come give me a little bit so I can get to the closest gas station. True, true, true. I will definitely keep that in mind. All right, but we need to move on to some Avs talk because it's still the watch for Kadri. What is he going to do? Can he sign? And you had an article on DenverFan.com about somebody that the Avs should trade to keep Kadri. Yeah, Rachel, this is a really interesting topic. We're now, free agency is officially a week old, right? It started at 10 a.m. last Wednesday. It's now 10.53 a.m. today, so we are more than a week into free agency, and it's normally settled with the big names, like 24 hours, maybe 48 hours. This happens in the NFL and the NBA, for, but for it to go on this long in the NHL is kind of crazy. So I think what they're debating, Rachel, is how to get the cap space to re-sign Nazem Kadri. They only have $3.9 million in cap space. That is not enough money to bring back Nazem Kadri. He's going to get six a year at the bare minimum. I think he wants like eight or nine a year. So let's say you settle at seven and a half. Well, how do you get to an AAV of seven and a half? Well, you have to clear four or five million bucks in cap space. And how does that work? They have 10 guys on their roster making enough money to clear. Mm -hmm. The only one, Rachel, the only one that you can trade is Samuel Gerard. And people are going to say, well, why just him? Well, tell me this. 
Are they going to trade McCarr, Rantanen, McKinnon, or Landis Cog? Of course not. That's, a, that's an asinine thing for us to even dive into. They're not trading any of those four guys. Mm-hmm. After that, Nichushkin, well, they just re-signed him. Mm-hmm. Lekkinen, they just re-signed him. Manson, they just re-signed him. So those three are now off the table as well. Mm-hmm. That only leaves Eric Johnson, who's making $6 million. But guess what? Eric Johnson has a full no movement clause. Why would 34-year-old Eric Johnson waive his clause to clear cap space to go rot in Anaheim the last year of his career? That doesn't make any sense either. So, Rachel, I just gave you the 10 names. The only one that they are going to trade or could trade or literally the only one is Samuel Gerrard. If anyone wants to comment with, well, I think they could trade player X, I would love to hear it. The one other name that people will throw out, Rachel, is JT Comfer, but he's making three and a half. So three and a half plus the 3.9 you have. That gets you to what six point or seven point? I don't know. I can't do math. Seven six. What is that? What's three point nine plus three point five? Why can't I do that? Eight point something. No, it's not eight. If both the first numbers. Three point nine. Yeah, plus three point five. Oh yeah, why can't I do? Hold on. See, this is embarrassing. I'm googling yeah, live on Coffee Break. Three point nine plus three point five. 7. 7.4. 7.4. 7.4. There we go. Jake gave us 7.4. I'm, I'm over here thinking like not – you just move on. Continue. Okay. Could you get Kadri back for a 7.4 AAV? Maybe. Thank you, Freddie. Yeah, you're clearly better. Oh, Mel. Thank you, Mel. We appreciate it. Could you get Kadri back at a 7.4 AAV? Potentially. But, Rachel, you still have Jack Johnson unsigned. You still have Ryan Murray unsigned. You're going to have to add players to this roster. You're still missing probably a sixth defenseman. You're still missing some depth on, uh, you know, the third and fourth lines. You can't get it done with Kadri by just trading Comfort. I was on with Sean Drotar last night, and we started going down the list. Logan O'Connor's making 1.05. So could you package JT Comfort and Logan O'Connor and buy you an extra million? Sure, but would you want to get rid of Logan O'Connor? He's a solid fourth-line guy. He's great on the penalty kill. He seemed to score shorthanded goals all the time. He had that breakaway in Tampa uh, that he almost scored in the game. Kadri ended up scoring in game four of the Stanley Cup final. If it were up to me, would you want to trade Comfort and O'Connor, or would you want to trade Gerard? Again, I would trade Gerard. So this is going on like a four-minute answer, but I encourage people to read the column at denverfan.com. And just tell you, I'm not sitting here saying, oh, my gosh, I can't stand Sam Gerrard. Get him out of town. No, I felt that way about Will Barton, not Sam Gerrard. But I feel so strongly about bringing back Nazem Kadri, Rachel, that I am looking for the solution. And the solution to me is trading Sam Gerrard over Comfort and another player. Okay, so Mel in the comments asked, please ask Will why he insists that we have to trade someone and keep Kadri. Is Will not aware of the other centers on the market? Yeah, so there's like a Paul Stasny is still on the market, mm-hmm. and that's a name people will know. Obviously left the Avalanche way back in 2014, played his college hockey at DU, like 36 years old. Here's why I want to keep Kadri, Mel. Think of the signature playoff moments, the hat trick in St. Louis after the the uh, abhorrent racist death threats he went through. He gets his wrist broken by Evander Kane, and he's supposed to be done for the postseason. And then he comes back and scores in Tampa Bay with one hand working in game four. Like, he's a heart and soul guy. He's a glue guy. You can't measure what he means to this team 
in any sort of quantitative way uh, in the locker room. But, oh, by the way, he had 89 points last year. And, and he was arguably their most consistent and healthy player during the regular season because he was he was pretty much always available. And then in the postseason, he, he battled through racism in St. Louis. He battled through an injury in Edmonton. And he scored the game-winning goal in game four, which, Rachel, we all know now they lost game five. If yes. they had come back here 2-2, there's a very good chance they could have gone back to Tampa down 3-2. And who knows how game six plays out. So the fact they were able to take that 3-1 lead and build that cushion in the final was massive. So to answer your question, I just think the heart and soul Kadri brings to this team is something so critical why they won the Stanley Cup this year. And if they want to repeat, they need to bring him back. Mel, I would love for you to tell us who you would love to see replace Kadri if he doesn't come back. Just one name, let us know, because, yeah, I would definitely love to know. But uh, I feel there like they just are right like, there. She's got him right there. Oh, dang. Yeah, Evan Rodriguez. Or Evan Rodriguez didn't. Oh, my gosh. I can't talk. I can't talk, and I can't do math. Rodriguez, Danton Heinen, Paul Stastny. So I mentioned Stastny, Rod- Rodriguez from yeah. – uh, Rodriguez from the Penguins. We do, Troy. We do. (laughs) And Troy saying we need coffee break math class. We do. Hey, Mel brings up some good ideas. Absolutely. You can't tell tell me that Evan Rodriguez is the player that Nazem Kadri is. I just don't buy it. And and guess what? Nazem Kadri has endeared himself for the city of Denver. He's a fan favorite. Look at the support and the signs, Rachel. You were there. Game five against the Blues when they came back to Denver. That was such a Kadri-positive atmosphere as fans love the guy, clearly the locker room loves the guy. Like, why are we like? Do we love Gerard that much? Maybe that. Maybe that's what you know. Maybe that's what Mel is getting at. She's she's just a really big Gerard fan and wants to keep him and replace Kadri with someone else. And that's fair. I just remember Gerard broke his sternum in Game Three against the Blues, Rachel. And I don't really miss him the rest of the playoffs. And that's nothing personal. But we never had that post-game show against the Blues, against the Oilers, or against the Lightning where either you, James, or I said, if they only had Sam Gerrard tonight, they would have won. Jack Johnson stepped in seamlessly on the defensive end. Bo Byram moved up to the second power play unit. And they never really missed a beat without Gerrard. Another reason why I feel like he's expendable. And Kadri, obviously, we talked about it plenty when he went out about how they were missing him. But now my next question to you is, is Kadri worth more than Nachushkin is? Uh, we already paid Nachushkin. So clearly they had Nachushkin a little higher on their radar than Kadri because they went to him to get the deal done first. So yeah, AAV, could they be comparable? Perhaps. But I think Kadri thought on the open market he was going to get more. Like we heard the reports out of Calgary that they Adrian Dater was reporting like the Flames may or, or he, he excuse me he wasn't reporting he saw he cited a report yep. that said the Flames could give him like nine and a half and that's way more than Val, Valerian Nachushkin got so mm-hmm. I just think you know it went free a week ago Rachel yeah the answer was Kadri was absolutely worth more than Nachushkin at least mm-hmm. in his eyes and probably the Avs eyes because they felt like they couldn't afford him but the longer this drags on the more I'm confident that his value is maybe coming down a little bit. And if the Avs can move the money, could they give him a similar deal to Nachushkin or maybe just a little bit more? Yeah, and that would be a huge win for the Avs from what we thought was almost impossible just last week. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, first of all, Will. A huge shout-out to Stacey, too, for joining us earlier on in the show. I apologize again for calling her a Russell Wilson hater. But, you know, we're excited for week one against the Seattle Seahawks. And we're excited that training camp is exactly 
a week away. Will, as always, appreciate you hanging out with us. And thank you to everybody, too, for spending the, your morning with us, talking to us in the comments. We absolutely love seeing everybody chime in. And again, we will be back again tomorrow morning. DMAC is back. He'll be here with me 1030 a.m. And we'll see everybody then. Bye, guys.